Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect podcast. I'm so glad that you tracked us down. I hope you're having a blessed day wherever you may be in the Universal Church. Well, so excited to share this conversation with Zachary King. In fact, it was so good that we had to divide it into two episodes. So this will be part one today. Zachary King lived his life really doing the will of Satan. He was a high wizard and doing all kinds of nefarious stuff until Jesus rescued him through the Blessed Virgin Mary and her intercession. And a great story, too, of people on earth, other Catholics, following the will of God and not being afraid to be bold in their witness. So this first half of our interview with Zachary King really focuses on his testimony and some of the things that he was involved in. He was in real deep with the evil of this world and the ways of this world. And Jesus Christ indeed really did come to rescue him. And I think it highlights uh, something that's really important, and that is the the battle against the darkness of this world. And it's not against humans, and I know I'm guilty of this myself. We get frustrated with other people, but we don't know where they're at, especially if they don't have a relationship with God. And we have to really pray for them and respond out of charity and with a lot of patience with these folks. So I thought it was a timely scripture verse from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and I wanted to share this with you uh, from chapter 6. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. And if you have any doubt that you're in a spiritual battle in this world, Zachary King's going to set you straight because he's got some stories to tell, not only about his testimony, but also some of the things that he was doing on that dark underbelly of evil, that vice is real, evil is real, and the darkness is real. But so is the love of Jesus Christ, and so are prayers that are so efficacious when we're living in a state of grace, going to confession often and receiving the Eucharist and being Catholics, we need to be a light of hope to other people. And I think you're going to find in this story that a lot of Catholics uh, responded to the grace that God gave to them and reached out to Zachary. And uh, this, these are things that we can all do and we need to pray for the grace to recognize those opportunities. So part one of our conversation with Zachary King is right around the corner. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Well, praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Well, after 26 years of involvement with Satanism and the occult, Zachary King has become a true warrior for Jesus Christ, and he wants to share his knowledge on spiritual warfare for the protection of God's people. He has an amazing testimony where he shares how great God's mercy and forgiveness truly are, and above all, shows the depths of Jesus' love for all humanity. He's currently working on a couple of books on spiritual warfare, and hosts All Saints Ministry Podcast. So welcome to our brother in Christ, Zachary King, to the Catholic Canuck Podcast. And I got you there with uh, with the books, right? I was reading that off your, your website. Are you still currently working on a couple of books? Uh, we're currently working on uh, one of them is Satan Loves Me, Loves Me Not. And one of them is Q&A with a former Satanist. Fantastic. And, and when are you planning to release those books? I do not know. Um, they used to be important. And more recently, other things have 
come to the forefront. I'm currently working on a, I've got now two ministries. I've got All Saints Ministry, and I also have Our Lady of Guadalupe's Army. And that one is, we're working, we've got the website up, but it's just a very basic prototype. And eventually it will be gathering priest names and priests that will volunteer to fill in for slots. Um, we have Satanists start an extended black mass at midnight. And this goes till three o'clock in the morning in every time zone around the world, 24 hours. Of, well, not 24 hours. Of, well, it is basically 24 hours because there's 24 time zones in the world. So it's in every time zone from midnight to 3 a.m. And then, but it happens every day. And they consecrate all the day's abortions in their time zone to Satan and the Antichrist. So we've come up with a prayer and we're bouncing the prayer off of a guy that is uh, an exorcist and a canon lawyer because he would know if the prayer has any loopholes in it that a demon could see and go, oh, I can escape it through that. So we're trying to write a prayer that that clinches it up. And then we're doing a Catholic mass at midnight in every time zone. Mm, so that would, negate, fantastic. that would negate all the consecrations of all the abortions of that day in that time zone. But we need 24 priests 24 main priests to sign up and then backups in case somebody can't do it. And then we need that for seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yes. And we're that's a, what a great idea, Zachary. That's it, awesome. Do you know anybody in the mountain standard uh, time zone? Because I think uh, we could probably help you out here if, uh, if you want to stay in touch with us. Uh, so far, we, we, we only have a few priests that have signed up for it. Okay. Um, um, my partner in crime for the website and for the idea is Jacinta Cox, who I would imagine nobody knows. And then actually father Frank Pavone is another great assistance for us because he knows priests all around the world. So, and because he knows priests all around the world, he knows priests in every time zone we need. So we're using him as a contact for getting us all the other priests. But, you know, you don't have to be a friend of Father Frank Pavone or even like Father Frank Pavone. All you have to do is want to shut down the devil. Yes. You know, and shut down the Antichrist. And mm -hmm. so we're looking for a priest that'll, that, and if they go to the website, it's Our Lady of Guadalupe's Army, org, I believe. If they go to that and, you know, there should be an email address listed there. And you can contact us at that email address and let us know that you're interested. You know, well, that's fantastic. That's really good. And I'm going to, and if there's any other information, please uh, share that with me uh, just via email, Zachary, now that you've got mine. And, uh, and if we have some listeners that might be interested in helping out, they can contact me and we can make sure that we get the word out to, to some more priests. That's, that's great. So, so the books are coming sometime in the future, but yeah, this sounds like uh something that may take a little bit of a uh, precedence. So thanks for, for doing that, Zachary. And I'm glad you mentioned abortion as the evil that it is, because it truly is. And uh, it is related to a bit of, of your testimony and you coming to the Catholic church. 
but I'm sure that the introduction might have given uh, our listeners uh, definitely some some curiosity if they're not familiar with with you and your ministry and your story, Zachary, already. But uh, you were uh, spent a, a great portion of a good portion of your life on the other side of that fence in, in the the kingdom of darkness. Uh, um, not uh, necessarily something that you planned to do for sure, but uh, it just seems to be where, where you ended up going. So yeah, maybe share a little bit of that journey and, and how Jesus and Mary really reached into your life and, uh, and pulled you out of that, uh, that past life. If they go to my website, which is allsaintsministry.org, and look on my YouTube channel, there's a link on the main page of my website. Um, I have an interview up that says EWTN interview. And that goes into all the gory detail you need to know. And it's a very well done. I mean, you see the money, you see the money that EWTN has when you see my interview, because they recorded me for eight hours. And then they gave me the hour and a half interview. And I was like, wow, that's really good. I, I talked about everything under the sun for eight hours. And then they put it down to the best hour and a half. I was like, whoa, they've got some money. You know, nobody else has the money to do that, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't know. I think they said some of the stuff in out of order of the way I said it, but it came across as amazing. So, um, uh, let's see. My Reader's Digest condensed version. I got started trying to figure out if magic was real. I did three spells for money. I found five bucks, ten bucks, and a thousand bucks. I knew magic was real. I became a victim of a sexual assault at the hands of a female teacher when I was 11 at school. And then at 12, I found a coven that I didn't know was a coven. And I got involved in child pornography, and I was in that for four and a half years. Um, I did my first assisted abortion at 14 years old. Um by the time I was 18, I was graduating from high school and leaving my first coven, which was an OTO coven. And I went to my second coven, and I was World Church of Satan. And I joined them. And I, I discovered at my first party with them, I discovered a high wizard. And I didn't know what that was. And But I had found, I'd seen one when I was 13 years old. I just didn't know that's what I was looking at. And... If your listeners want to see what a high wizard looks like, go to Pink Like a Pill official video. She has a high wizard that appears in her video four times. The third and fourth time, he's conducting a magic spell. He's doing he's full on doing a ritual. Um, I became the high wizard at 21. I did pretty much all the evil under the sun that I could possibly do. I got tired of what I was seeing. By the time I was 33 years old, I escaped and I lived one year off the grid, two years back on the grid in Oklahoma. And then I was trying to make it into Canada and I got rejected from the border and I tried to get into Canada twice. And actually it was three times total and got rejected all three times. And the final time, um, I was told that there was a border crossing near Burlington, Vermont, where there was no border guard. So I started heading that way and I was almost there and I got super sleepy and I pulled over at a rest stop and took a nap. So when I woke up, 
Now, when I took a nap, it was four in the afternoon. I figured I'd wake up in a couple of hours and drive right across. Uh, I fell asleep and I woke up. It was the next morning and not a problem. I'm still only two hours away. So I drove across the border and got pulled over by a border guard. And he's telling me his life story, how that he's been trying to get this job for three years. And today it's his very first day on the job. And I realized that God had a sense of humor because if I had done this yesterday, I'd be safely in Canada right now. But it sounded weird that I was trying to get into Canada because, you know, it's like that I think Satan wasn't there. Because right now it seems like Satan's running Canada. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. You t- tell us about it, Zachary. Yeah, we know. <laughs> so and I'm preaching to the choir now. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got rejected at the border. I was worth $18 and I had half a tank of gas. So I drove to Burlington, Vermont got tied in with the homeless program there, first day in town, and they told me it was impossible to find a job. You cannot find a job in Burlington, Vermont. There are no jobs to be had. So my first day in town, I got a job as the dishwasher at this restaurant bar called Nectar's. And then they had me work the the morning shift, and then they told me they'd just call me as they needed me. So I went back to sleep at the homeless shelter. And then they said at night, they said, hey, there's somebody at the door for you. I'm like, nobody knows I'm here. So I went to the door and found out it was the owner asking me if I could be back at nine o'clock at night that they needed me to wash dishes that night. So I showed up there at night and they hired me to be their full-time dishwasher. And so I had that job. And then I went from being the dishwasher to being on the door. And I went from being a doorman to being head of security. Then I went from being that to working at a different bar and being their GM. I started off as head of security and then I was made their GM. And then that bar eventually closed and I started working in the, the mall. The finish line, I was a manager in training. Then I got robbed by, I got stolen as, a, as an employee by Sunglass Hut. They made me a GM. And then I got stolen by Piercing Pagoda. And I just, I kept moving up in money and stature and things. And, um, you know, I was working there and this woman came up to buy a pair of gold hoop earrings. And she said, uh, well, actually I'm shopping with my daughter. When I'm done, I'll come back and buy these. And I know when women say that, that means I'm going to go find them cheaper someplace else. But she had an honest face. I knew she was coming back. And sure enough, three hours later, she came back. We did the transaction and, um, I said, you know, if you call the 800 number on this receipt and take a survey, you might win $1,000. She goes, oh, that's great. I've got something for you, too. And I thought, oh, no. She's going to pull out a Jack Chick pamphlet, tell me I'm sinning, and drop to my knees and beg for forgiveness. All this stuff I can't do because I believe that sold my soul to the devil when I was 13. And instead, she pulls out this cheap gold-colored piece of tin and says the strangest thing I've ever heard. Now, I used to party with rock stars. If you give somebody unlimited alcohol and drugs that can write poetry, they can say some strange stuff. She said, the blood of Jesus, oh no, she said, the blessed mother is calling you into her army. And I thought, blessed mother, Isis, Gaia, I grew up Baptist. We don't have all these names for the Blessed Mother. And then she said, it's very powerful. 
I know Protestants don't bless anything. So this woman's got to represent some female deity cult. I'm not really interested. I came from two big cults. Not interested in hers. So many cults are connected. I don't need to join her cult and then find out it's connected to either one of my other two. And I just kind of tune her out. You know, and I'm thinking, I go to my happy place and I'm thinking, how do they all find me? There's got to be a sign up above me that says crazy people come here and an arrow pointing down to me. And crazy people can see it, but sane people cannot. And clearly crazy people can see it because all the crazy people find me. And um, eventually I tune her back in because I'm thinking, I've got your money. You've got my gold. This was win-win for both of us. Why haven't you walked away yet? And I tune her back in. She says, again, it's very powerful. No, 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 no. Okay. As far as high wizards go, there's generally between two and five in the world. But that number could be as low as one or as high as 10. So at any one given time, I could have been the only one high wizard out of 7 billion people. That's a power trip and a half. And you're trying to tell me this blessed, miraculous metal is more powerful than me. This can do something to me. This can touch me. There's no power to this. There's no mystique to this. So I stick my hand out, which makes her happy. I'm willing to take it. But I figured at that time, I could feel any object and tell you this had a death spell put on it. This had a spell of protection put on it. Your friend found this in goodwill and made up a story. There's nothing to this. And that's what I figured was going to happen. I was going to feel it. There'd be nothing on it. And then I was going to toss it on my floor or slam it on my counter and tell her how worthless it is. Tell her there's nothing to this. This can do nothing to me. And she drops it in my hand. And my whole plan is to clench my fist around it, feel the nothing, and tell her all about herself and this metal. But instead, when I clench my fist around it, my mall and my store completely disappeared. And I'm standing in this darkened void with this woman, Marianne Wickman, and she tells me about the magic spell I did last night, and that's of the devil. And I've helped split over 100 churches, and that's of the devil. And I've conducted over 100 abortions, and that's of the devil. And she says about eight or nine other sins, and all of them end with, and that's of the devil. Now, when I first started, I wanted to attack her with lightning bolts and energy bursts. But now I'm thinking, if I attack her, she'll destroy me. Her magic is stronger than mine. But let's go back to, I could have been the only one high wizard in 7 billion people. I didn't have the magical ability to hand somebody a worthless gold-colored piece of tin, transport both of us to a darkened void, and me know all their sins. Her magic is stronger than my magic. Hmm. I was the strongest magic person in the world. My magic was 91% accurate. I was a high wizard. Everyone fears the high wizard. I'm afraid of this woman. I don't know what to do. I can't attack her. I've got this metal in my hand, and I'm thinking, should I drop it and see what happens? Am I going to fall through this darkened void? 
am I going to find my way back to my mall? I don't know what to do. And so I'm thinking, what should I do? And then she says again, the Blessed Mother is calling you into her army. And instantly, like, like a lightning bolt from the Holy Spirit, I knew that was the Mother of God. And when I realized it was the Mother of God, Mary showed up and she smiled at me. And it was a smile I knew I didn't deserve. I was acutely aware of my 146 assisted abortions. And she took me by the hand and she turned me around. She led me to her son, Divine Mercy Jesus. I didn't know what Divine Mercy was. I had no idea what this is. I just know that I've got these rays of light shooting under me and over me and around me and through me. And I knew in that instant, I did not sell my soul to the devil when I was 13. I knew that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. I knew all my Satanism, my occult, my new age, and my magic was false. And I knew everything Catholic was truth. And the Blessed Mother told me my job was to help her end abortion. And I opened my hand and I was back in my store, back in my kiosk. Uh, this woman told me where she went to mass. Uh, while she's talking to me, she tells me that she's Father Joseph Whalen's personal assistant in the St. Raphael Helioral Ministry, that he's the busiest priest she knows, and that he's so busy he doesn't even have time for her. And while she's talking to me, her cell phone rings. And she looks at it. She goes, oh, this is Father Joe. I've got to take it. And Father Joe at that time was going deaf, so he talked like everybody was going deaf. So whenever he said something on the phone, I could plainly hear him. And she picks up the phone. She's like, hello, Father. He goes, can you hand the phone to the young man you're talking to? She's like, sure, Father. She hands me the phone, shaking like Ozzy Osbourne. I'm like, hello? Welcome to the faith. Hand the phone back to Marianne. So I hand the phone back to her, and he hangs up on her. We get two more phone calls that are similar to that. She sends her daughter out to the truck to bring me one of each of everything, which I didn't realize what that meant until she came back with a plastic or a paper grocery bag, had a Catholic Bible in it, a bunch of pamphlets. Why do Catholics believe this or do that? Um, like 125 Lighthouse Catholic media discs. <laughs> and uh, nice. you know, like a Catholic care package. And then I went home that day and I was married to a different woman at that time. And my ex-wife now. And I walked in the door and I was like, hey, honey, guess what? I'm Catholic now. And she had grown up Jehovah's Witness. So she was like, of all the things you could possibly be, why would you want to be Catholic? But I went to Mass. I went to daily Mass the very next day. And she went with me. And I found out there that you could go to adoration. I didn't know what adoration was. And I found out that you could see Jesus anytime you wanted. And I thought, and I even said this, I said, is there a sign-up sheet for that? Do I need to like put my name on a list and then you'll tell me three or four years from now that it's my turn? And I'm like, no, you just go. It was unfathomable to me that you can go in and see Jesus anytime since there's a line to get in to see Elvis and he's been dead 40 years. So we go to adoration. Shock number one, we're the only other car in the parking lot. Shock number two, there's no line to get in. Shock number three, we open the door and it's me and my wife 
and some woman and Jesus. And this woman looks up like a deer in the headlights and she packs as fast as she can go. And if this was an Olympic event, she got gold. And then she tells us, you can't leave till someone else comes in. And bam, she's out the door. Right. You know, and I thought, yeah. why, why would I leave? I'm in a room with Jesus. Wow. So that became my regular hangout. I was there up to 18 hours in a day thinking this is the best experience ever. You know, I had a lot of things that were wrong with me, you know, that it stemmed from all my attachment from 26 plus years of Satanist. And all that stuff got to heal while I was sitting in there. Hmm. That's interesting you said that, uh, that all those years of, the various sins that were, were part of your life and what you were involved with, they all melted away in the presence of Jesus Christ. I think that's an important lesson for all of us uh, to do a holy hour, to go to adoration often, to, to spend even an extra five or 10 minutes after mass, or even if you're going by a Catholic church and the presence of Jesus Christ is there, that's very healing, isn't it, Zachary, for even for us to yeah, spend whether it's I mean, five minutes or an hour. I mean, if you've got the time, I mean, think about, you know, people say, oh, I don't have time to go do that. What do you have time to do? Mm-hmm. What is there in your life that is taking up so much time? Because I'm certain that if you're spending 45 minutes playing a video game, you could spend that 45 minutes at adoration. Mm-hmm. But what's that video game accomplishing that, that adoration couldn't do? There was a Bishop Sheen that said, if, uh, if you don't have enough time to do a one hour, uh, one holy hour, uh, an hour long per day to do two hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's right. Uh, that's that's profound. Before you had this experience and, and while you were, you know, taking this journey of, you know, you were a high wizard, you're involved with the occult. What was your view of the Catholic Church before then? Did you have some interaction with Catholics uh, before this happened? When I was um, about eight years old, uh, my dad used to give me a ride to school and I would walk home with my friends. And one day when me and my friends were walking home, you know, I would see these people outside the Catholic church and the guys are all wearing black suits. Some of them look like they were wearing foot pajamas. That would be a cassock, but I didn't know what a cassock was. Sure. <laughs> and then uh, the women, like, you know, the Baptist church, the man's wearing a dress suit. And the women are wearing a flowery dress. Well, I couldn't figure out which man was married to which woman. Some of the women wore brown clothes that went from the top of their head down to their feet. Some were blue that went from the top of their head down to their feet. And some were black that went from the top of their head down to their feet. I didn't know which one of those women was married to which one of those men. I didn't know what the, what the dynamic was. But one day... I saw this woman and she looked like if you looked up the word love in the dictionary, her picture would have been there. And I ran up and I hugged her and she knelt down. She hugged me back. And it was a very long, probably one of the longest hugs I've ever had. And then I looked up and I saw my friends way off in the distance. And so I tore away from her and I ran off to catch up with them. I had to run a couple of blocks to catch up with them. So I finally caught up with them and then we walked the rest of the way home. The next day, my dad's giving me a ride to school and we've got to pass by this church again. 
And I was like, dad, 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 dad. What's that? It's the Catholics. Well, I'm eight years old. I can read the sign. It says Catholic Church. I don't know what that means. I know that they have a crucifix outside the building. We have a cross outside ours. I don't know the difference. They have a bell outside their church that rings multiple times a day. They've got stained glass windows. The building looks like a church. It's got a steeple. It's got everything that my church has. But I know better than to just walk inside a random building that you don't know what it is. Because I've seen the news. You know, people are found dead doing that. So I don't want to just walk in the wrong place and be murdered. And and I don't know what Catholic, I don't know what, my, my dad took me around to all the Catholic church or all the churches, all the Protestant churches in the town one summer. Because we came outside, me and my brother came out of church one day and my dad asked, what did we do? We colored a picture. Well, that wasn't holy enough for my dad. So he took us around to all the Protestant churches that summer so we could try out each one. And then when we'd come outside, what'd you do today? I played connect the dots. I played find a word. I played a crossword puzzle. We colored a picture. And he realized that all the churches do the same thing at the same age. So he just brought us back to the, the, the Baptist church because we grew up Baptist and we, we knew everybody there. So he just kept us there. And, but he never took me to the Catholic church. So I didn't know what this building was. And he said, it's the Catholics. And I said, what's a Catholic? It doesn't matter. They're going to hell. So that's my knowledge of the Catholic church. All you guys are going to hell. When I was a Satanist, my thought process was, well, they're all going to hell. I'm going to hell. One day I'll see all the Catholics there. That'll be an interesting conversation because I'll be like, well, I worship the devil. How'd you get here? I was Catholic. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? I didn't believe, I believed what my dad said because he's my dad. You know, everything my dad said, he was right. Now I believe that to a certain point. And, and then me and my dad started butting heads and I stopped believing everything he said. When you were, uh, when you were, part of the uh, when you were a high wizard and you were doing spells and things like that was there ever a time that we always hear that you know Catholics Christians specific in general but Catholics specifically being involved with spiritual warfare having protection from from Jesus Christ and from the saints um, there there is this uh, this power of intercession from our communion of saints and of course our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did you ever encounter any time where maybe there was a time where you were going to place a spell on someone or there was something evil that was going to happen, um, you know, with part of that, uh, that past community that you were a part of that didn't work and you knew that there was something, there was a force that was maybe greater than what you were dealing with at the time that now you know is, is Jesus Christ. But was there ever any incident like that that happened in the past? Uh, there was, but we all saw what it was. We got word that one of the Satanists was being exercised. And we were told to rescue him from that. So we went to the place was, it was in the ghetto in Detroit. 
there was a big fence around this apartment complex that was two stories high. And the apartment complex is set up like there's an upstairs and a downstairs. And the upstairs is about every 25 feet is a set of stairs that leads up to the second unit. The second unit is basically a sidewalk and a handrail and then apartments and the doors to the apartments match the door downstairs. So if you're whatever the setup is downstairs, there's that exact duplicate upstairs. And we pulled in in a van and there was about seven of us in this vehicle. So myself and six other people. And I'm dressed as the high wizard. They're all dressed in suits or something like that. And everything matches. We pull in and we leave the doors open in case we have to make a hasty retreat. And somebody says, you know, we're in the ghetto. Maybe we shouldn't leave the doors open. Maybe we should lock everything. You know, and I said, look at us. If you were here, would you jump in and steal our vehicle? With us looking like this? Wouldn't you think that'd be a mistake? Yes. Eh, yeah, you're right. So we all get out of the vehicle. People that are outside when we get out see us and run inside and shut their doors. And I don't know what they think we're there for. I don't know if they think we're cops. I have no idea. I certainly don't look like a cop. I'm mean, dressed like the high wizard. And we walk clear across to the other side. And there's this where we, the guy's door that we, we want to go into, he's got stairs six feet in front of his door. So, and this plays an important part in the story. So we get up to where his place is and I can't get to the door. There's, you can't see anything blocking the door, but you can't get to the door. It's like there's an invisible wall up and I can't get to the door. I can't touch it. I can't reach it. He's also got two windows on either side of the door and I can't knock on those windows. I can see him inside with a priest and I can see the priest has a hard case that's open and it's got some stuff. I don't even know what it is. And he's also got what I know now is a monstrance, but I didn't know what it was then. Like a gold object with a star on it or a sunburst on it or something. And the priest is talking to him and there's another man in there. And I don't know what they're doing. I'm just figuring they're getting ready to do an exorcism. I yell out and it like my voice comes out as a whisper. And so we back up and try yelling from over there, like 30 feet away. And I can yell from 30 feet away, but I sound like I'm 30 feet away. And so I can't yell loud enough out there for you to hear me at the door. But if I get at the door and yell, I sound like I'm whispering. I can't knock on the window. I can't knock on the door. I tell one of my guys, go down to the other set of stairs, climb those stairs, come up to here and run down these stairs. So he does that, but he gets to the stairs and he can run down the stairs one way, but he can't make the, the loop and come down the second step the second set of stairs. 
he's being stopped by something. All right, not a problem. I got the solution to this. Go back up to the top and then hold on to the handrail. Make sure the handrail isn't going to come off. I don't need you to die in, in, while we're trying to do this. So he feels the handrail, shakes it, it's sturdy. It's not going to fall. So he holds on, he climbs over the handrail, then he lowers himself down. Now, when he's lowering himself down, he's probably eight feet from hitting the ground. And I was like, let go. Come on, let's get this show on the road. So he lets go of the handrail, which should have meant he's now on the ground. But he let go of the handrail, and when he dropped, he disappeared. He was gone. He didn't land on the ground. And everybody's just like, what the? Right, we're looking all around for him. Now, it turns out what happened is that he reappeared on the roof. And the only way to get down was to jump down to one of those stair units. So you're jumping down about 12 feet. And he didn't get hurt doing that. And then he came the rest of the way down. But we don't know that he's up on the roof. We're just like, where the hell did he go? So I tell my guys, it's hot out here. I'm tired. There's an alcove about 15, 20 feet away. And in that alcove was like some soda machine, snack machine, and a telephone, and a chair. So I'm going to go sit in that chair. You guys try and figure this out. Come and get me in like an hour or two. And I'll work some magic or something and see if that works. So I go over there. Now, there's a soda machine that's missing the front glass, the plastic, and it's missing all the drinks from inside of it. And the change container is gone. The next machine is a snack machine. The glass is missing from the front. All the snacks are gone. And the change container is gone. The next machine is a telephone. The change machine, the change part of it is gone. And the receiver is gone. So it can't even receive calls. And then there's a metal chair that has a wooden base and the wooden, the, the cushiony pad was gone, but I can still sit on it. So I sit on that and I'm sweating pretty bad. It's pretty hot there. And I'm, I'm in Detroit and it's the summer. And all of a sudden, five guys come running past me in the alcove. They're gone. One guy comes back and says, run like hell. And he takes off running. And I'm thinking, what are they doing? So I walk back to the opening of the alcove and I look to the left and there's nothing happening in front of the door or at the stairs. Nothing's happening in the apartment that I can tell. And then I look out into the parking lot and there's this 100 foot tall angel, I suppose, dressed like a Roman centurion, um, helmet, shield, armor plates on his arms, armor plating on his thighs and shins, uh, sandals that are tied up his leg, and a flaming sword. And I did one of these, in one of the interviews, I said, he looks like he was there to chew gum and kick ass 
and he's all out of gum. And I took off running after my friends. I don't know how slow they were going, but I caught up to them. And we're about to jump in the van. Somebody says we're passing the van. Shouldn't we get in it? And somebody else tells him, haven't you ever seen all the horror movies? People that jump in the car die first. So we all kept going. We ran into the neighborhood and everybody went in a different direction. And I was probably at some point I was walking and I noticed somebody was walking behind me. So I turned around to see if it was one of my guys coming up behind me. And it's mainly black people, right? I'm in the ghetto in Detroit. So there's this, uh, these black people coming up behind me. And when I turned to look at them, they saw me and stopped and turned around and went back the way they came from. I'd have other people that'd be coming at me on the same street. And when they look up and see me, they would cross the street and start walking up the street on that side. People that were coming up behind me across the street would see me and not pass me. And then finally, this guy walks straight up to me and he looks like a gangbanger. He's covered in tattoos and piercings and a tattooed face and then a bunch of piercings all over him. And he's got gang colors on. And he walks straight up to me and he's got like his posse with him. And he asked me if I was hungry or thirsty. And I said, I'm both. And he goes, come with me. I'll make sure nothing happens to you. I said, I'm not scared. He goes, oh, I know you're not, but I just want these people to know you're with me. So he turns around, has his guys surround us, and we walk a couple of blocks to his mama's house. And he said, my mama's a good Christian woman. She won't let you go hungry. And um, so her being a good Christian woman, I took my hat off when I went inside her house. Now, to me, as, as a Satanist, all Christian flavors were the same. You know, if you're Baptist or Catholic or Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or, or whatever you are, it's all the same. His mom's house has got all these religious pictures, crucifixes, I think, on every wall, and pictures of some woman. I'm guessing it's Mary now, but I didn't know who it was back then. Pictures of Mary everywhere, pictures of Jesus everywhere, um, all kind of things. And he walks up to his mom and whispers something to her. And she looks me up and down. And I'm going to guess this is a look of disapproval. She is not entertained. She's not mm -hmm. amused. And I don't think she wants me in her house. But she tells exactly. Let me. I gotta. I gotta ask you. What exactly are you wearing then? Is 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 the the clothing that you had? Was there was there something specific about? Uh, uh, was there insignias on your shirt, or were you, did you have a bunch of tattoos? Did you have a big uh, trench coat? What what about uh, your appearance specifically? Uh, kind of stood out to her. If you go to YouTube and look up the artist Pink cover song like a pill and put in official video 
she has a high wizard that appears in her song four times. The third and fourth time, he's conducting a ritual or a spell. I'm wearing um, an 18th century style tuxedo with Harley Davidson slouch boots. My nails are most likely painted. I could be wearing gloves. Um, I'm wearing a top hat. I've got a cane. And I've got corpse paint on my face. Depending on the time of year it was and what movie was out or what song was hot at that time, I might have added color to my corpse paint to match something else. Like when Batman, the first Batman with Michael Keaton was out and the Joker wore green and purple. I like that look. So I would add green and purple to my face so I could resemble the Joker. Kind of like spiritual warfare. I mean, you're wearing your, your battle paint and your battle uniform. Yeah, kind of like that. Right. Okay. And so whatever she recognized me as, she didn't think I should be in her house. But she told me that she was a good Christian woman and she didn't believe in letting people go hungry, no matter who they are. So she invited me in to eat. She said she hopes I like fried chicken. Fried chicken is my favorite meal. I love fried chicken. And she had like corn on the cob and biscuits and, you know, all, all the stuff that I like to eat. I grew up in the South. So, and they asked me what I wanted to drink. What would I like to drink? I said, well, I would like to drink Dr. Pepper, but what do you, what do you have? And they had Dr. Pepper. So I had Dr. Pepper and I had fried chicken and, um, she kept bringing me food. She was like, you're like, you're like a big man. You could probably eat some more. And I ate until I couldn't eat anymore. And then I thanked her and, um, I went outside with, with my new friend and, you know, I, I said, my guys ought to be looking for me by now. And I offered, we have, uh, the high wizard carries coins on him. He carries silver coins and both coins, the silver and the gold. Uh, one of them has a top hat on one side of the coin and a wand or a cane on the other side, on, on that side that crosses the hat. And then on the back of it, it says HW. And the, the silver ones don't really do anything. I guess you can spend them or trade them in because they're they are made of silver. They are like 0.95 silver, but you can't do anything with it other than that. You just it's just like a little memento. But if you get the gold one, you can turn that into any high wizard and get your wish. So I asked him, "Hey, can I give you one of these?" And he said, uh, "I've got one." And I was like, okay, um, would your mama take it? He goes, oh, no. No, she knows what you are, and she would not take it, and she'd be mad if she thought you offered it to her. I was okay, then I'm not offering it to her. Because, yes, she wouldn't take it. She'd, she'd be insulted. But she'll pray about you tonight. I said, I don't need her prayers. He goes, it doesn't matter what you think you need. My mama's going to pray for you. 
I said, she pray for you? She goes, she prays for me every night. I said, she got to pray for my salvation because I ain't looking out for it myself. So there's a possibility that that guy has the reverse side of my story. You know, like there might be a gangbanger in Detroit somewhere that is in church right now telling the story when he met a high wizard. You know, and that his mama was praying for him. So it sounds like you had a very profound encounter with Catholicism that evening. Uh, whether you, well, you didn't know it at the time, but probably looking back, uh, there was a there's some a grace filled evening and probably a scary evening for you at the same time. That is uh, pretty incredible um, and, and amazing. Um, well, when I'm, you're that far involved into into the into the spiritual realm, uh, which you were. I think that there's people because you know we hear this often. You know, it's uh, you know the, the the veil between where we're at here in the temporal world and then the the spiritual world. It, it can be very thin, right? It's uh, it's it's incredibly thin. So you saw what you saw. You saw the angel. Uh, you saw other things as well. But what what can be said or what can you say to to people who maybe maybe are a little bit more sensitive to that? Maybe they think they're they're crazy or something, but. I don't think that they are. I think there is really something to that, that the spiritual realm is very close to us. And that's why we have to stay close to Christ. They call it discernment of spirits, for example. But does that does that make sense to you, Zachary? What, what are some things that, that you can share with others about that? I think that sometimes people have a closeness to things like that without realizing it. You know, because they have one or two parents that may have done some dabbling at some point and when you do dabbling in that stuff you kind of open the door for things and you know the person that opened the door could have been their grandmother or grandfather and then it follows them down you know where that you have a gift where you see things in your sleep you, know, you have dreams that end up being prophetic that you end up seeing things and then they come true later or you sometimes have a vision of something and you know, you're wondering, is this of God? You know, and you have to be careful what you do with your gifts because some gifts are from Satan and he wants you to exploit them and to exploit them for your gain. You know, he wants you to make money at it knowing that when you're doing that gift, using that gift, you're going further into mortal sin. You know, just, it's like, you know, being gay is not a sin. Acting on your homosexuality is the sin. You know, if you have the gift of, if you have psychic abilities, having them is not a sin. Using them is the sin. Two things I guess I want to ask you about with uh, with what you just shared there. One is how important is it for us to, if we, if people do have, like you said, maybe like some, some sort of a psychic gift or something like that, that, that uh, that's been given to them, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but how important is it for us to, to really bring that to prayer, but also to seek spiritual direction from a priest? Uh, that, that's important too, isn't it, Zachary? You need to find uh, somebody that has time to be your spiritual director. And that's not easy, right? So it's not all priests are so busy nowadays. Yeah. Right. You know, there've been priests that they, you thought they were busy before and now They've got three or four churches and they're one priest. You know, and they've got to do a mass. They've got to do a Sunday mass and a Saturday mass 
in all four churches. You know, so they're busier now than they've ever been. Um, you know, so it might take some work and it may not end up being a priest that's close to you. You know, but keep looking because there are priests that all they have to do is sweep their floor. You know, there's nobody showing up at their church for math. You know, if you can find that priest, he has time. He's got nothing but time. You know, it just may take some work on your part. Um, but important for us to to turn to Christ, you know, to discern this as opposed to being really public and out front about this. I think that's where we see, you, you sometimes you see problems in the church with this, right? Where people might have some sort of a gift of some sort, but they go public with it very quickly. And, and it just gets kind of strange, if that makes sense. It does, it well, does feel not only disingenuous, but also feels kind of, kind of like those shots are coming from the other side of the fence, as we talked about earlier, right? Well, you know, if you're doing something that brings you glory, I would say it's bad because you're supposed to bring God the glory. Like I've got a testimony that talks about how evil the devil is. And this is how the devil tricked me into getting to what I was in and how, what a bad guy the devil is and how that you shouldn't listen to the devil. And then the blessed mothers who rescued me, it was no, I didn't do anything. I stood there like an idiot and took a, a gold medal in my hand. And decided I was going to show that it was nothing. But instead, the Blessed Mother showed me that I was nothing. And then when I knew I was nothing, then she takes me by the hand and leads me to her son. And her son gives me divine mercy. You know, there's no part of my story gives glory to me. You know, the early part of my story, I thought I was it. I thought... I'm on top of the world. This is what I can do. You know, I was so arrogant during my lifetime that I thought if God was mightier than me, he would kill me, but he's not killing me. I'm stronger than God. Praise God, he showed mercy on me at that time. What I think is kind of funny, and I've talked to this about the same topic with other priests, I had a priest tell me one day, he goes, you imagine how funny it must have been to have been just a fly on the wall when you're working in the mall and Satan's hanging out close to you and Mary shows up, but probably she had an escort and he's like, what are you doing here? I'm just shopping. Oh, okay. Well, I'll leave you alone and let you shop. Oh no, you can continue to walk around. I want you to see this. And then he watches the whole interchange happen with the miraculous metal. You know, and he's knowing that he has me, knowing that I'm the high wizard, I stepped away, but I'm still his. I still do magic every day. I still belong to the devil. And he's like, wait a minute, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? What, no, 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 he's a high wizard. No, no you, you can't have him. But what do you, what, oh, fine. You know, and then he just watches me get turned around and there's Jesus and the devil's having a bad day. Well, there you have it. A big thanks to Zachary King for joining us in this episode of the podcast. And again, we've got a part two coming up in a separate episode where he talks about some of the spiritual traps that the evil one lays out for us, especially for young people. So 
important for us to be aware of those things as well. So inspired by his testimony of how Zachary was rescued by Jesus from the grips of the evil one. And I saw this quote from St. John Bosco, and it really inspired me to share it with you because I think these are the best practices that we need to share if we want to avoid the pitfalls of the devil. St. John Bosco says, Do you want to outwit the devil? Never let him catch you idle. Work, study, pray, and you will surely overcome your spiritual enemy. End quote from St. John Bosco. To help us along the way, one of the great superstars, our saints in our church, to help us and to provide those guideposts along the way because they sure lived a life in a pretty wild time on their own. And they want to help us through this time in the world because we were made for a time such as this. And we need to stay in a state of grace so that we can understand God's plan for our life, our vocation, and to live out our state of life exactly the way that Jesus wants us to, not only for the benefit of ourselves and our own spiritual lives, first and foremost, but also for our families, our spouse, our children, and our community around us. Hey, we don't have to go too far in this world to recognize and realize that we need a lot more Catholicism. We need a lot more Jesus Christ in this world. So Catholics, you know what we need to do in order to achieve these lofty goals of holiness and to be great spiritual leaders in our world. We need to live life in a state of grace at all times. When you live life in a state of grace, everything becomes so much more clear. It's really hard to explain to someone that doesn't go to confession regularly, but I'm really encouraging you to go to confession regularly. Go every couple of weeks if you can, but certainly you got to go at least three times every year, right? Every Lent, every Advent, and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. Chat with you very soon.